Well, good morning. Come on, Luminous Church. Hey, hey, thank you. Give it up for Reggie, man, our usher team, our build team, giving it up. Reggie all the way from Philadelphia. Freedom City. Freedom Church. Come on, somebody. Got a little, little passion this morning. I just, you know, felt the Lord speak to me about a Cowboys victory. I don't know. I don't know. It just felt a strong unction this morning for the Cowboys. Now, now, if y'all didn't know, Edgar, Pastor Edgar up here, he, he said the, the 49ers, he prophesied, prophet lied that they would lead, lead by three. So we'll see what the Lord does. You know, I just... I know we're praying about that, but, you know, tongue-in-cheek, all that say, if you don't have a home and you need a family and you need a place to connect, Edgar's hosting a party today. Come on, baby. It's fine, Pastor Edgar, you know, but you may have to be a 49ers fan, or 49ers fan to go. I'm not sure. So, All right. They, they got a fan card at the door. And so, man, I don't know what's up with this uh, passionate, passionate voice I have right now, but... Um, our team knows I've been pretty hyper, been pretty hyper. I ate this week. I ate, I ate this weekend. Anybody else ate? We've been fasting and praying this past week at Luminous Church. If you're a guest with us, welcome this morning into our space. We're so thankful that you made it and that you're participating with us as we, as we honor God and worship him and really ask that the Lord would speak to you this morning if he hasn't already, that you would leave this place with, with some kind of voice, some kind of word from the Lord Maybe a scripture that would be highlighted for you in your life this week. Maybe a little gentle nudge to be obedient in, in obeying his word just a little more. Because it's, it's oftentimes we get in this place, we're looking to be more like Jesus, right? We're looking to see him and what does he want us to do and how does he want us to operate and how does he want us to befriend people in the city and love people and reach out and, and do what he's called us to do in our workplace and in our families and so I hope that you get that this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6 is where we're going to be this morning, and we're continuing our series, Abide, Abiding in the Word, Abiding in the Word, and the Word feeds our spirit. The Word feeds our spirit. Turn to your neighbor and say, the Word feeds you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm hungry. And there you go. That's right. The Word feeds you. I want to talk about food this morning. And so if you came in hungry, you're going to be miserable. But we do have the Lord's Supper that we're going to do at the end of service, this communion. And I'm not sure if that will fill you up, but it will, it will be a moment. And so I'm uh, excited about food. I've been excited about food. If you don't know, I'm a foodie. Any foodies in here? Any foodies? You like food? You, when you move to a new city, you find the spots. You find out what's happening. You find out the latest, greatest calorie intake that you would want to take into your body, the deliciousness of all that is on Yelp and the five-star ratings. My friends and I, we set out to, to conquer something. I, I, when I reached the age of 15, I was really uh, self-conscious about my appearance, uh, as many teenagers are. Uh, not many boys, you know, I, you know, but I was for whatever reason. But I was self-conscious about my image, and, and I was a little, you know, hefty on the hefty side. Uh, and my brother, my older brother, he was on the swim team. He had a six-pack. He, he was very fit, and I was very jealous. You ever get jealous when you see somebody's body that you want, that you wish that you would have had, and you just say, that's because God gave them a high metabolism, and he gave me this. 
you know, and so that's what I said. But I said, hey, bro, how, how do you get like that? How do you get healthy? And he said, man, you just need to eat healthy. So he put me on grilled chicken, the grilled chicken diet with no, no Dr. Pepper. I had eliminated sodas from my life at the age of 15 years old. And I still to this date do not like a Dr. Pepper. And that was crazy. That was my first love. It was my first love. But I, I, I cared about that self-image. So I started, I started eating grilled chicken. And I started getting rid of the Dr. Pepper. Now, I, I never had a hamburger. I never ate a hamburger because it was, you know, a fattier meat. It wasn't as lean. And so I never did that. And then my friends in college got the Texas Monthly. And on the Texas Monthly, they rate the top 50 burgers in Texas. Have any, has anybody seen that? Maybe you're not from Texas. Yes, that's what we do. We, rock, we rate the top of burgers in Texas. And so we set out to conquer that. And one of our first stops was Alamo Springs Cafe on old Fredericksburg Road outside of Fredericksburg, Texas. And that, that, that cafe, Alamo Cafe, Alamo Springs Cafe had this juicy burger with a fried avocado, caramelized onions, melted cheddar, a, a patty. As it was cooked, it was being squished down. You know what I'm saying? They, they were just waiting for it to, to get down. It was thick. It was juicy. And it was the first burger I had eaten since I was 15 years old. And I just want to tell you, the glory cloud showed up in that moment. The anointing of the Holy Ghost came. I, I took one bite of that burger and I started falling over this, getting slain in the spirit. The, the blankets were coming to cover me. I was out like that and I was sold. And I said, forget grilled chicken. I'm a burger man. I am a hamburger man. You know, we, we, we all love food and we all love those things that, that nurture us and come in that are just so tasty. And I just want to talk about food this morning. I want to talk about food. I want to make you hangry at the pastor. In John chapter 6, we have John writing this, this gospel account. This gospel account from the lens of John. That focuses on what it means to have life in Christ. What would it mean to truly abide in Jesus? And there's been different accounts that we've read through John that have really helped us along our journey. But in this moment, we see in John chapter 6, Jesus just fed 5,000 people. He, he fed them because he cares about people. People were following him. They were, they were on this journey. His teaching was so good, they forgot to bring a sack lunch. The only one that brought a sack lunch was a little boy, right, who had a little lunch pail that he shared with everybody. And Jesus did something, does something miraculous. He, he begins to multiply that lunch box, and everybody starts getting fed. And there's this miracle in their midst. And then Jesus moves on. And wherever Jesus moves on to, the crowd began to follow. You see, when somebody provides such a great meal like that, when they provide some Alamo Springs Cafe hamburgers for you, you begin to follow that person. When, when you get a taste of the food that they provide and the supernatural provision, you start to follow them. So they're following him, maybe wondering what's next. 
Will there be another meal to be shared that I didn't have to pay for? Hallelujah. Will there be will there be another great miracle by Jesus? And likewise, you have this crowd who is following him, intrigued by what he is doing. You also have these Pharisees that are coming about and they have theological differences with Jesus, don't they? If you may recall, the, the Pharisees at the time were very skeptical of Jesus, for Jesus was making claims according to their tradition would be in violation. Those claims were contrary. And so they came as the religious police to keep Jesus in check and to constantly challenge him on what he was saying. It's what Jesus wanted. You see, Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to eliminate the law. He wasn't eliminating the Father's heart in the Old Testament and everything that the Father set in place and did. He was coming to fulfill them for a greater promise, a greater abundance. And in this moment, he says, even greater provision. You see, in, in their moment, what was sacred to them was the manna that was given from heaven to sustain the Israelites in the desert when they, left, when they left Egypt on their journey to the promised land. And every morning, God would let it rain a manna, wouldn't he? And they would be able to pick up these flakes and begin to eat them, and they were sweet, and they were sustaining. In this moment, the Pharisees are challenging Jesus because Jesus is saying that I have come to bring something that is greater to manna. And it's here in your midst. John chapter 6, verse 57 and 59 will be our primary verse this morning. As the living Father sent me, Jesus speaking, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Everybody say forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. The first thing I want to say is we need to eat to live, but we need to live to eat. Right? Now, this may be contrary to what you think, right? Uh, oftentimes, we, we eat to live. We eat to live is, is kind of what we're taught. In, when I was 15 years old, you care about that image. You, you got to eat to live. Um, and, and, and I was living to eat. You know what I mean? Uh, when you get some hamburgers, when you get some uh, Edgar's well, hot wings, when you get some of those things that come, you're just kind of like, man, maybe my purpose in life is just to eat good food. Maybe that's what God called me to do. So I go around and I, I dive in and I eat good food. And, and, and there's this whole, whole moment and whole psychology of, of how we're wired and how we're trained and how we're moving in this whole rewiring because when you taste good food, when you taste good food, you just want more good food. Amen. I just, I just want an abundance. I want more. And it's not like when I'm full, I'm done because I like it. So I just keep trying to stretch my stomach, you know, as much as possible. And so you have to rewire into this place. The, 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 the healthy thing would do is that I don't live to eat, but I eat to live. This is something that, that is to sustain me. It's what Aaron 
Davila does when he eats. Have you been around Aaron Davila? He's on our worship team. He's in our young professionals. When he eats, I was eating with him when we broke the fast Friday night. And he ordered this food. And he scarfed this food so quickly. And it was crazy. It was gone. I was like, did you even enjoy that? He goes, you know, Pastor Ben, this is what I do. I enjoy the taste of it. But I treat food like a business transaction. The sooner I'm done eating, the sooner I can get to the next thing. I'm like, God bless you, my friend. I want, I want to savor each bite. Each bite costs you 50 cents. Do you need to think about that? You know, this, this is, this, Aaron, Aaron is a place, right? He's, he's, you know, eating to live. He, he's treating it like a transaction. But I, I'm, I'm in a place of both. I'm in a place of both oftentimes. Eat to live, and I live to eat. And I want to say that in John chapter 6, it's really both. Where we eat the bread of life to live, and we live to eat the bread of life. Amen? It's both. It's not either or. It's what we want. We want to consume him and enjoy him. And it's what gives us life and substance. What sustains us through the things that are difficult. It's why we are here. It's what we want to do. We want to see one day we want to go to heaven and fully to enjoy God. Which is infinitely better than the most pleasant accommodations here. As Jonathan Edwards would say. That one day we want to go to heaven and enjoy God fully. And we want to be in his very presence, which is so much better than being here right now. Because it's in his presence that we are fully eating. That we're fully enjoying him. And in this moment, when we're on earth, it's waking up and abiding and learning this rhythm of I want to enjoy Jesus. I want to enjoy who he is. I want to enjoy the bread of life. I want to enjoy the bread of life. I want to enjoy him fully. This is what, this is what God intends for, to, for us. But oftentimes, the things that we have been eating are not what we should be eating. Jesus says, eat of me. I am the bread of life. He who is thirsty, he who is hungry, come to me. I will give you thirst. I will give you food. I will give you everything that you need. He wants us to eat of him, and that is this raw version. He speaks in ways that are offensive to the Pharisees. He says, I'm going to spill my blood. You're going to drink of my blood. You're going to eat of my body. And for Pharisees who grew up in the old law, that was unbiblical. To consume any type of blood would be unbiblical. Any type of blood would be unbiblical. In fact, you would drain the blood first before you would eat of the meat. And Jesus saying, this is my body. I want you to eat of it and drink of this blood. I want you to ingest me. You're looking at me kind of crazy. Like, that sounds disgusting. This is a little gross. And I think many people may have looked at him likewise. What are you even talking about? What are you even talking about, Jesus? What does this mean? This raw food, Jesus being raw, 
speaking about raw food. Now, there's some things that are raw that we should eat and some things that are raw that we shouldn't eat. How many of you know that's true? I mean, give me some raw tuna, right? Give me some fresh caught raw tuna. Give me, give me, give me something raw. There's, there's something that's raw that's really palatable and tastes amazing. It's the freshest thing that you can have. But there are things that are raw that you don't want to eat. In fact, there was one Christmas Eve service. I was with my friend Lane Oliver, who leads worship in mid-cities. And we decided to celebrate together that evening. We were both bachelors living a single life. Come on. So we could do whatever we wanted. We didn't have to go. I have all these obligations to some kids or some wife. No, we got to enjoy us. And it was awesome. So we went to the OTB on the border. And there I ate this Flaming queso with grilled chicken, because I was a grilled chicken guy. Flaming queso with grilled chicken. Now, I mean, if you track with me, you know flaming queso, you know, <laughs> bounce it out, right? And so there it is, man, and I devoured this thing, and it was the best chicken I had ever eaten. You know, it was just like, oh, this is good. I am devouring this. And then that evening, I get home, and my stomach starts to rumble. Yeah, trouble. Trouble now. And it's rumbling. You know, it's not it's not just waking me up, you know, telling me it's time. No, no, it's saying it is time. So I was up all night, both ends. You're not supposed to say that in church. Both ends. Just was happening. It was miserable. I was sitting there crouched. My mom felt so sorry for me. On Christmas Day, I'm just hunkered over. It was the worst food poisoning I had ever eaten. You see, the truth is, is there are things that we ingest that are raw that are good. And then there's things that we ingest that are raw, not meant to be eaten. When Jesus is preaching about the bread of life, there's a contrast. And it's an evaluation of our life. Are we ingesting anything raw that should not be eaten? Are we ingesting anything into our bodies? Are we ingesting different things? For me, at the age of 15, I was ingesting a negative self-image. I was ingesting this, and it would play over and over in my mind, where I was living to eat that very image. Some of us have been ingesting lies into our life this year. Some of us have been ingesting a poverty mentality in our life over the last few years. Some of us have been ingesting different addictions that are contrary to the way of living God has called us to. Some of us have been ingesting images that should never be seen, and we keep consuming them. And somebody who has a habit of that gets into a habitual behavior of consistently ingesting the very thing that our body wasn't meant to have. We've been ingesting fantasy over fantasy, living someone else's life. Maybe it's through a TV show or a coworker or a neighbor 
or a book that we've been reading and we've been ingesting this fantasy, bringing that into an attainable reality that'll never be grasped, never taken hold of. Some of us have been ingesting hatred towards our boss, our employer, our coworker, and we've been eating that diet and constantly ingesting this type of food in our very souls. And it's poisoning you. Some of you have already, your soul has been throwing up. And like a dog returns to his vomit, is a folly, is a fool who moves into a place of returning to the thing that's going to destroy him. Ingesting a lie about your marriage. Ingesting a lie in earthly pursuits focused more on that than you are of him. Jesus makes such a striking parable analogy that it hits us to the core. What are we ingesting in our lives? Is it him? Is it Jesus? You see, raw thinking and raw eating is supposed to be about Jesus. It's the one who has our soul attention. When I was young, y'all know this story, and I love to share it because I'm, it's my testimony. You overcome, right, by the, your testimony in the blood of the Lamb. Your testimony of who you were before Christ, the blood of Lamb coming over your life, into your life, ingesting it into your very essence and it becoming an, a purifying moment of making you clean so that you can be an overcomer in Christ Jesus. Anxiety was my thing. Anxiety, being so anxious about so many things. I was anxious I had so much anxiety, so much worry, so much fear, which those all play together. We know that anxiety and worry and fear come and they play off of one another. Usually anxiety will bring about worry, which would be a response of fear and move you into a fight or flight mentality. But mine was anxiety and it was because I, maybe I was I was the little guy in class. Maybe it was my speech impediment. Maybe it was when I spoke, my voice shaked, and I had a tremor that, that, that just would not go away. And, and every time I focused on it, it would just get worse, and it caused this anxiety and all this attention on me. And to this day, I still don't like direct attention. Like, don't throw me a party. Please don't brag on me. Because I just don't know what anxiety will do in my life. And I've been trying to prayerfully overcoming it. But I've been ingesting that. You see, there's this thing that happens in your life. And usually it's when you're younger. An ungodly belief comes into your life and says, man, you weren't made right. You weren't made to speak like other people. You weren't made in the image. Let's see how they're built. Look how you're built. 
You see, see what they do? Look what you do. Do you hear the tone of their voice? Look at your tone. <laughs> Look at all these things, and you start playing these over and over and over again, these inadequacies, and what happens is it starts to poison you. An ungodly belief will leave you debilitated, and it's what the enemy wants for your life because a debilitated believer becomes an ineffective believer, ineffective believer. They, they become somebody who can't make a difference. They're too focused on themselves. They would never be focused on anybody else. It's what, it's what the enemy tries to do. But, but you see, Jesus, when he's talking, he's like, man, I've given you food. I've given you the bread of life, the bread of life, everlasting life. And when he's talking about eating the bread of life, there's this Greek word that's used when it's talking about eating Jesus, eating this bread of life. And it would be translated as chewy. Everybody say chewy. Chewy, meaning it's, it's, it takes a little bit. I, I chew on it. it. It takes a while. I gnaw on it. I gnaw on him. I chew on him. I delight in him. I wait on him. I spend time with him. He doesn't just come in and then leave. No, he is enjoyed. His very presence, very essence is enjoyed. You see, this kind of eating, of chewing, it's not a passive action. You see, eating is not passive, right? It's not passive. We have to actually do it. We actually have to move into it. It is an active behavior that all of us have. You see, Jesus was saying, when you eat of me, the bread of life, you're activating something in your life. You see, passive faith is no faith at all. But active faith, right, is actively at work in your life. Active faith is activating faith. It's beginning to come in agreement and starting to chew on him and spend time with him and be with him. And Jesus would say in John chapter 4, verse 34, he said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. You see, Jesus was saying, I want to tell you, I want your food to be me and my food is that of the father. You see, I am eating his very essence of what he wants me to accomplish. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. The King James said, my meat is to do the will of the father, the, the, the hamburger, the good stuff, not the fluffy stuff. Get, take those greens off of there. You know, take all that off. I just need the meat, you know, the meat, the substance of what it is. You once were babies, Christians, followers of Jesus, those who know him in this church. You once were babies, but I'm going to move you into a maturation of meat, of meat. You see, you were once spoon-fed, you were once bottle-fed, but I'm moving you in a place of meat, in a place where you're starting to move, where your food would be to do the will and the work of the Father, which you're able to discern as a mature believer. Our hope at Luminous is to get you to that place of maturation, to mature you, to get you into a place to doing his work, his work. Of what he wants to accomplish. This is what he has called us to do. 
And there will be times that your work will be realized, but you won't want to do it. There will be times when, when, when the meat is realized and the food is there and you know how you're supposed to obey. You know who you're supposed to disciple. You know what life group you're supposed to lead. You know where you're supposed to serve. You know what you're supposed to teach, where you're supposed to preach, how to share your faith, how to spend time with him in that intercessory prayer room because you were called to be an intercessor, how to start activating that faith. There will be times when you know it because you've been eating meat. You know what meat's like. You know what it is to be a mature believer, what it is to taste the bread of life and to fulfill yourself in that. But there will be times when you don't want to do it. There was a time when Jesus also asked a question. You may remember this in Mark 14, 36, where Jesus is with the father in the garden and says, Abba, father, he said, everything is possible for you. Nothing is not impossible for God. We're reminded of that when Mary was impregnated with Jesus she said, nothing's impossible for God. Nothing. Jesus has that same revelation. As we're reading this, I'm even thinking about the fact that Mary had this revelation that nothing was possible with God. How much did she disciple her son? Nothing's impossible with God. You see, when something impossible happens in your life because of God, you start to disciple that. You start to exercise and activate that faith. And he's re-echoing that in this moment. And everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus is saying, I'm about to go to the cross. That's the will of the Father. This is how I'm going to eat. This is how I'm going to be fully satisfied and fulfilled with my life and my destiny on earth is to go to that cross. And Lord, if you're able, take it away from me. If there's any other way, take it away from me. Not my will, but your will be done. And what did he do? He's obedient to death. What about your life? What has God called you to do? How are you obeying? And yes, we go, Lord, if you're able to take this one away, that one away, whatever it looks like, we will do. And when you fully digest Jesus, you're able to fulfill your promise and start feeding others. See, Jesus could feed a multitude because Jesus was full. He was full of the Father's will. He was full of what God wanted him to do. He was able to feed them because it was God was fully in. He was fully in agreement with God. He was right there, and he was able to give to others. Jesus was able to give to others because he was full. It's why we are called to be full. To be full. Jesus has this moment with Peter. After Peter denies him three times after the cross. You may remember this. He goes, Peter, do you love me? In a moment of restoration, do you love me? And what, how does Peter respond? He said, of course I love you. And what did Jesus say? Feed my sheep. 
Oh, Peter, do you, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Then feed my sheep. The third time, Peter, do you love me? And the little downcast said, of course I love you. I've always loved you. Then feed my sheep. When you ingest Jesus and he is the bread of life and you take a hold of him, a hold of him and you put your life on him, what you're saying is, I love you. I'm abiding in you and I'm receiving your love for me. Then go feed my sheep. Then go make disciples. Then do what I've called you to do. Tell people about how tasty this food is. Eternal life. Tell them about it. Tell them about the richness of it. The splendor of it. That there's no regrets when, you're, when you trust in him, obey him, fulfilled in him. There's no regrets. No regrets at all that you can fully give and you don't look back in your life. Why did I do that? There's no regrets. You, you are completely satisfied in him and you can give it away and you start telling about how great it is to know him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste him. And as passionate as I am about telling you about a Texas monthly hamburger, the Lord, Jesus, tastes so much sweeter. He's so much better. And you will truly be full. This is my prayer for you this morning. We're going to get ready to take communion, and I'm going to invite the team up. As the team makes their way up here, I, I want to remind us in this moment, it's debated a lot of the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper. Does this juice and this bread actually become the blood of Jesus and the body of our Savior? I think a very holistic view of that is, is when we take the Lord's Supper, for us to realize that as we take of it, we are consuming Christ. We're consuming him in our mind and in our soul and in our spirit. And we're remembering who he is. That he is the Christ. And I want more of him. And whatever you fill your body with will in return come out. Ingest him and watch him live out of you in the fullness of who he is. If you would stand with me this morning, and I'd love for you to just go ahead and unwrap this. Don't eat it quite yet. And as we're holding this, I want us to think about Christ. And we're going to sing a song, The Goodness of God, again after we consume the Lord's Supper together. But I want to remind us of Isaiah 55, 1 through 3. And it says this, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. 
Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for which that does not satisfy? Why do you ingest all of those things? Listen diligent to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Kind your ear and come to me here that your soul may live and I will make you an everlasting covenant. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 would remind us that as often as we come together when we eat this bread which represents his body, the bread of life, and when we drink this cup which represents his blood, which is the forgiveness of sins, where life takes place. If you would take the wafer with me, Let's just bless this and give thanks, Lord. Father, we thank you. Lord, on the night that you were betrayed, you were with your disciples. Jesus, you were there, and it was a loaf and not a wafer. And Lord, all around the world, people take communion with rice and noodles. And Lord, It's a moment to reflect your body, which was given to us, broken for us. Jesus, we want to ingest you today. We want to know you today. We want to love you today. We want you to reign in our heart and mind today. So, Lord, we take this body. representative in this holy moment where the body has come together in this liturgical setting on this altar and we say Jesus your blood covers sin covers sin so Lord forgive us when we fell, when we fall short when we mess up and when we don't do things your way, but we did them our way. I thank you that your blood is enough. It's enough. You're enough sacrifice. God, we don't have to keep sacrificing ourselves or punishing ourselves. You sacrificed enough so that we can live in the grace and the freedom that you give so that ungodly beliefs in these things that we have consumed can be forgiven and in the past overcomers and victors because of this cup, your blood. So we take it and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing this song one time through. And as we do, I want to remind you that the disciples, after they took the Lord's Supper, sang a hymn together before they went out. So today, we sing a hymn. And then I'll come close this.
Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. Jesus, is because you are faithful, we can be faithful. Because you are good, God, we can walk in the goodness of God. We're so grateful for it. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen.